0: founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you.
1: I've had some clients that are early on in the process and they are so overwhelmed that the idea or the thought of trying to come up with some workout regimen seems very daunting to them. And the last thing that they could possibly commit to and that's completely understandable right In where they are so it's a matter of just meeting them where they are again and if we can just get you up from your desk like you said you know walking that dog around the block getting outside um just moving your body in one way shape or form or just even stretching you know whatever that looks like um to keep moving that energy, especially you know when we are under so much stress and there's a lot of other emotions that come up besides just the stress, right? Um, and especially if there's anger or frustration or those sorts of things, we have all that energy flowing through our body that's just sitting there. We gotta move, we gotta move it. And so whatever that looks like to get that moving so that we can work it through, right? And so I love that you're talking about the movement to get people moving that energy because we are going to feel better. And once we do that, we can come back, and then we can reset and uh, begin again.
0: Welcome to JBD Team Talks with your host, Karen McMahon. During team talks, you get a chance to meet our JBD coaches as we discuss challenges and difficulties that are common to everyone facing divorce and provide you with tips and strategies to help you master the art of managing your thoughts, calming your emotions, and intentionally choosing your responses. And now for today's topic. Welcome back to another episode of JVD Team Talks. With me today is our newest and greatest coach, Tammy Oswald. Welcome, Tammy.
1: Hi, Karen. Thanks so much. I appreciate being here today. (laughs) So listeners, uh, this
0: is Tammy's um, first official podcast outside of her Meet the Coach podcast. And so... Tammy, uh, besides being a divorce coach, is a wellness coach. And so today we're exploring wellness as a vital aspect of divorce recovery. And we're beginning with physical wellness. And you might say this is a divorce um, podcast. Why talk about wellness? You know, so much of what we do is helping our clients um, get really conscious and recover, not just from the stress and overwhelm of divorce but the stress and trauma of your high conflict marriage before you enter divorce. And if you did end up in a high conflict marriage, you probably have stress and trauma all the way back to your childhood. And so a vital part of healing and moving on with your life is what you do through this difficult season. And today we're talking about how to use this challenging season to become aware of your wellness and to um, up your game. And so I'm going to bat it over to Tammy to tell us a little bit more about wellness.
1: Hi, Karen. Thanks so much. Um, Yeah, so one of the reasons why wellness I find to be so important is it comes up in almost every session. There's something that is impacted by the high stress of this process, right? Whether that be the physical health, the mental, the emotional, even, you know, the financial, all the things that encompass wellness, because wellness is not just health and, you know, like health and nutrition, what we eat and how we work out. It's way more than that. It's, it encompasses our whole being. And so it's very important to look at all aspects of that. And I find that it comes up in, All sessions with clients as they're going through this process. And so, I especially recently have had many of my clients who are really struggling with the physical aspects of this process and also long term physical aspects um, from the long term stress that they've had throughout their marriage. And so, how that is either um, on a long term basis affected them physically or they currently are having short term physical issues because of the impact of their divorce. And so that's why it was important for me to bring this up and to talk with you today and to help people through that process. It's something I like to do with clients to bring them from an unconscious way of living, which basically that means we aren't really keeping track of how well we're taking care of ourselves unless something bad happens, right? And so then we're forced to deal with it. So if we can, you know, try to get get an awareness of that and to change the way we're looking at things or doing things and showing up, it does help how we get through this process a lot better and get to a place of more joy and fulfillment. Because I do, I do like to say, you know, you don't have to wait till that order is signed to live a a life of joy or to thrive or to find fulfillment. You can do it the, the whole way through and let's see how to do that. And we'll look at every aspect of wellness to help you to do that. So...
0: Yeah. And what I love about that is in so many other areas, we encourage our clients to be proactive. And with wellness, mm-hmm. what I'm hearing you say is, you know, don't wait for the migraine. Don't wait for the diagnosis. Don't wait for your back to go out. You can't get out of bed. Um, if you're proactive, you can actually begin to. um to battle the impact of stress on your body before it has a negative impact. And I think you have a personal story
1: of not being proactive and what happened to you. Can you just kick us off sharing that? Yes, I'd love to share it. Thanks for asking. So that is actually why I became a wellness coach. I, you know, I think for anyone who knows my story, I went through the collaborative process and, and got my divorce and that was highly stressful. But um, within a year after that, my ex-husband took me back to court. And so we went all the way uh through the system for another 3 years up to the supreme court. So it was a very highly contentious, highly stressful, high conflict divorce situation and the I was I can say that I was in such a high state of stress for such a long period of time. I was living in hypervigilant mode and didn't realize the impact that it was having on me, on my body, on my overall wellness until Once that final order was signed, my body literally shut down. And I spent the next eight or nine months in and out of hospitals, in and out of doctor's office, going through a variety of very invasive testing. I had um, lots of different medications that were tried that brought about all these other extra side effects. And so I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, I was shifting my mindset from I am sick to now I'm going to be well. And so I started focusing on wellness. And so then I started bringing that into my coaching. And that's when I, I became a wellness coach. And that, that's really where I started even before the divorce coaching was starting in the wellness coaching because of the impact that it has on people's lives.
0: You know, you, you that sounds like an incredibly overwhelming and stressful um, I mean, season, geez, years of that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the word um, hypervigilant. Can you share mm-hmm. a little bit about it in, in the paradigm of wellness? What does that mean? Because I think that we probably have people who are there, but they may not be connecting to that word.
1: Yeah, that's a good question, Karen. So for me, hypervigilant mode, I was living there because of in my situation. And I know we have clients that are going through this as well. There's, I mean, I was living in trauma. So I had a situation where I never knew when the next blow was going to come. And so I lived uh on pins and needles, right? And I know a lot of our clients, they even as they're you know, but even before the process, or even at the beginning of the process, when they're still living in the home, you can still feel like you are in that hyper vigilant mode, and you're on pins and needles in the home. You don't know when the next conflict is going to arise, when the next text message might come in that will literally just bring you to tears or knock you off your feet, you know, or that your soon-to-be ex is going to do something else that could be harmful to you, whatever that looks like, right? And so um, that, I had a barrage of that ongoing for that three-year process. And many, many examples could be used, but, um, and I see this in clients too. And so, um, when you live in that state for so long, the impact of that stress can have long-term effects. And so, I do. I see. I see clients that I meet with that have autoimmune issues because they've they've lived in such a long state of stress. I have people that um, that now, even as they are no longer living in the home, that we have to work through things um, like they know they have to be in the same room or they have to speak with their, with their ex. And um, we have to work through just the physiological changes or the triggers that can come up in those moments. And so things like um, knowing, I had a client recently that knew that she had to talk to her Soon to be ex, about um, some things that they had to work through. And she was terrified because he's so unpredictable and he can be um, so harmful. And um, you never know how he's going to show up, and so she was in such a state of panic about having to just reach out and talk to him about something about their daughter. And um, so we literally had to talk through what 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 were the physiological changes that go through her body when she's under that stress. And for her, it was her stomach Her, her stomach would hurt. She would have a difficult time breathing. The tightness in the throat, um, sweating. You know, things, uh, nausea things that come up like that, that, you know, when that happens, after you've experienced that over a long period of time, it becomes second nature and you don't have control over it, right? Your body can just react in ways that you're not even aware of. And so it was just bringing awareness around what those look like for her. And and when they do come up, like how to handle that. And so we, we came up with a plan on what she would do and she recognized those coming up and she knew if those came up, she wasn't ready to have that talk with him. And so we, we worked through what ways could she work through those before we get to the point of taking action. So we started with the physiological, and then from there, we moved into once she worked through that and got herself to a place of calming and everybody's different on how they relate, right. Or how we cope with that. So for her, it was, she's going to go sit outside on the dock by the lake to get calm. She's going to do some meditation, there's breath work. So lots of triggers that can come up for people and I've talked to many people through those and and ways to deal with that. So anyway, and then once we got through the physiological, then we worked on, you know, the mindset and reframing some of those limiting beliefs or the thoughts that were getting in the way and then we could move her to empowered action. And it was just over an email, like some people might say, wow, just over an email that she was going to send. But For somebody who's been living on pins and needles and walking on eggshells for a really long time through their marriage, it doesn't get any easier during the divorce. And so you have to remember those things and you have to work through. Those are just one example, you know, of why this comes up and why it's important. So um,
0: that's a great example. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about the impact of stress before we get into the physical wellness. um, I think that it's important to talk about the impact of stress and what you're saying that being on pins and needles waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know, we know that when we're triggered, we've got that cortisol overload, and we're operating from the amygdala. So let's just slow the conversation down a little bit here. Um, What can you share about that stress reaction and the impact on living drenched in cortisol for weeks, months, years, decades? Because that's really, you know, it, it becomes this constant Overload, And I think with your client, you were describing the tells, right? And I was just doing our boundary challenge where I had everyone say, like, what's your tell? My neck gets so locked up. It's crazy. So I mm-hmm. a lot of my stress goes to my neck. Somebody else may get sweaty palms. Somebody else might get the knot in the stomach. So can you just talk a little bit so so that everyone listening can take a moment and Consider their stress tells, like what does that cortisol overload look like in your body? Joe and their spouse always seemed to be fighting, but nothing was ever resolved. Their spouse would constantly blame them, unwilling to take any responsibility. Joe lived in the tension of walking on eggshells, doubting themselves, and over time, they became unhinged, angry, and triggered, struggling further with shame and self-condemnation. Their reactivity was used as proof that they were the problem. If you're in a relationship or marriage filled with conflict and blame and you're wondering, is this normal or could it be toxic? Take the quiz and find out how toxic your relationship is. Go to journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash toxic quiz and find out today.
1: So I know if you, according to WebMD, those are the anyone going through the divorce process, 20% are more likely to have long-term impacts. You know, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, other chronic conditions, the autoimmune autoimmune diseases, things like that. Um, but there are those short-term and long-term. So um, some short-term effects would be um, and whether it's high conflict or it's not, divorce is just stressful, right? And so some short-term effects of that stress would be, you know, a lot of times you find that people will lose a lot of weight, right? Because they're not eating. Uh, And some people cope with eating and so they may gain weight, right? So we're all different in how we choose to cope. Um, Sleeping tends to be an issue for people through this process, right? And so when we're not sleeping and we're not eating, we're not able to show up at our best. We can't concentrate. We can't, work through things the way we'd like to, um, especially because during this process, we have to make a lot of decisions. And so when we're not sleeping and we're not able to concentrate, that impacts. Um, there are things like you mentioned, migraines earlier, um, you know, stomach problems, GI issues, ulcers. Um, those are just some of the short-term impacts. And then, you know, the long-term are, you know, that being more likely to have 20% more likely to have cancer, heart disease, diabetes, or other kind of conditions. And then 23% are more likely to have mobility problems, such as walking short distances or difficulty climbing stairs, just things like that. So, um, so it's really important. Go ahead. Yeah. I just, I just want to kind of, um,
0: call out to the listeners, um, Take a moment and consider that triggered moment when you get triggered and what happens. So that's your your short term and that's your tell, which I think you were talking about a few minutes ago, um, Tammy, people like really tuning into their body. So even if you're unconscious and you're not completely realizing that you've been hijacked, your body is mm, going to tell you word. that you've been hijacked because yeah. it's going to have you're going to feel that stress. And, um, and, you know, the big picture here is as you navigate divorce, our desire is that you would let go of beliefs and behaviors that haven't served you well, take on some new ones so that you can emerge from your divorce living a, a healthier, more fulfilling, more promising life. And part of that is, as we're going to talk about through this entire wellness series, um, is addressing your physical, your emotional, your mental, your spiritual, et cetera. Um, and so let's talk a little bit, Tammy, about, um, okay, I know what my tell is, um, And let's say the average person has had so much on their plate. They haven't been paying a whole lot of attention. Maybe somebody works out a little bit. Maybe somebody eats pretty decently. Where can, how can our listeners begin to learn from this podcast and begin to shift their behavior? Where do you start with people?
1: I always start with awareness, right? And so unless it's a, a, it's something that's already affecting them, which I've had a lot of that. You know, um, I had one client say to me the other day that she has had constant illnesses this whole year. And so she's clear that it's from all the stress and that she needs rest. She just needs her body to rest. And so she's working on moving out so that she can get that rest and you know that hypervigilance mode that we're talking about and when our nervous system is working over time. But so it really is... First of all, meeting those physical needs first, because once those are met, whether it is we need to work on how can we get you to sleep better? You know, what do we need to look at to overcome, to help you with your sleeping habits? And so um, we might look at that. We might look at what are your eating habits? Are you eating? You know, a lot of times people are not eating. And so if you are eating, are you overeating and are eating things that are not good for you? So we can take a look at those things. We can take a look at... Um, you know, are you moving? Are you finding ways to manage your stress? And so that looks different for everybody. And it could be, you know, meditation, it could be prayer, it could be breath work, it could be uh, going for a walk, spending time out in nature. So it's really wherever the client is coming from and finding what works for them. First of all, to just Reduce that stress and somehow bring them into the present instead of, you know, I know they say that, like, if we are focusing on the past, that that causes us to be sad or depressed, usually. And if we're focusing on the future, that's a lot of times where the stress or the anxiety can come from. So if we can keep them in the present moment and find some calm and peace in that moment, then we can hopefully reduce you know, that cortisol that you talked about in their system, and we can get them to a place of peace. And then we can go forward with whatever they need to deal with that day. Right. And so, so I think the first piece is really awareness. So if there is a problem that's already coming up, we, we need to deal with that. Like, how do we fix that? What do we need to overcome to get you over that? Um, but sometimes we have people that don't have that awareness That they're really good at numbing out. And so they are not in tune with their bodies. And I think that's a, that can be hard, you know, when, you know, when you talk about people's tell, not everybody's aware of that, you know, and so it takes a minute to, you know, be intentional and to, you know, whether that's setting a goal and like, okay, so once a week or once a day, whatever it looks like for them, I'm going to go find my quiet space and I'm going to really, be in tune with my body, I'm going to be quiet, I'm going to be still, and I'm going to listen to my body. And so sometimes that's, it has to start there. So it just depends on the client.
0: Well, I think you're bringing up a really good point. Um, I think that the concept of being so overwhelmed, so hypervigilant, that you're so in your head and not in your Mm -hmm. body. Right. Like I think yeah. that there's some that's something that I think a lot of our listeners are gonna really uh resonate with. And mm-hmm. and it's a neat thing to talk about if you don't give that much thought, if you're not really in tune to your body, that might be just a beautiful little baby step. I know for me, um my practice in the morning is taking my two beast puppies and going down to the beach and walking along the mm. seashore with them. And that's a time mm. where I'm smelling the ocean. And um, I feel my feet in the sand I'm walking, I'm laughing, but there's this real sense of, it's almost like a time where I can scan my body. Like, how am I doing? Mm. How's that neck? How's that neck issue of mine, which is my stress mm-hmm. issue, you know? And so Can you propose just a couple of different, like for me, that's a thought. Another thought is to roll out a yoga mat and not that you have to do yoga, but just to like get on the floor, stretch. Can I touch my toes when I lay on my back? What hurts? Like, can I just stretch some muscles and see what comes up? Do you even know how tight you are? Can you Uh suggest a couple of very basic, um, Baby steps, simply to become in tuned with your body.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, sure, and I, again, I, it, it varies with everyone, right? And so, for somebody who's unaware, completely unaware, who has nowhere to start, my first recommendation would be: where's a quiet, safe that feels? Uh, where's a quiet space for you that feels safe? Um, that you can just spend time. And that's, again, different for everyone. And so I do believe in nature. I feel like being outside really does help people. So that would be one of my number one recommendations. But for some people, it's a church. For some people, it is, um, you know, sitting in their living room um, on the couch with a cup of coffee. Before everybody gets up in the morning, and that's their quiet time, that's their safe space that is just for them. And some people it's late at night, you know, when everybody goes to bed and the house is quiet then. And so, um it really does. It just depends on what works for them. so
0: okay, so then, so once we're in our body, um, when we talk about when we talk about physical wellness, we're talking about you said sleeping, eating, movement. Um, mm-hmm. Are those the three key areas that we would um let let's start, let's start with sleeping, because I would say over the last 12 years of doing this work. Um, one of the most common things is that our monkey mind keeps keeps us up at night. Or where I'm uh-huh. exhausted so I could fall asleep. But when I wake up at two o'clock in the morning, that's it. Like I'm done. And um uh-huh. And I have things that I will often recommend to people. Um, There was actually a podcast. It was a sleep podcast. And he asked me to listen to it. It was the most boring podcast. And he said, that's the point. Like sometimes (laughs) I get on and I literally Mm -hmm. talk through a cooking recipe because Mm -hmm. sometimes all those beautiful like podcasts, don't do it for you. Your monkey mind surpasses. Mm-hmm. it. it's like, sometimes if people could listen to me, they're just like yawn and they fall asleep. So let's talk, mm-hmm. <laughs> say this a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, let's talk about, um, what are some, uh, possible baby steps if, if our listener is either struggling to fall asleep or to stay asleep during the night
1: hmm So first of all, it's again, bringing awareness to it and then uh, figuring out what is, what's getting in the way of that. So if it's, you know, the brain needs decluttered because we can't stop thinking through all the monkey brain, um, what do we need to do to get rid of that? So some people like to journal. So if you can, before bed, just anything that's on your brain, write that down, which I highly recommend through this process anyway, whether it's trying to help you sleep or just get through the day, carrying that notebook with you that you can write down whatever thoughts come up. So because, especially if you're trying to plan things, and you know, there's something you have to figure out or do, then once you, you know, keep moving, you're going to probably forget. And so it's just better. And it reduces your stress level if you just write down what you need to write down and get it all out. Um, So that helps. And then, um, and then it's, you know, what else is getting in your way? So I, you know, I've had some clients that, um, you know, they know that, they're getting to bed too late. So then they want to back it up and try to get to bed sooner. And so what do they need to to do to, to make sure that that happens? And so what has prevented that from happening? And so just kind of overcoming that and, and helping them to rearrange their schedules or whatever that looks like.
0: And I know that another one is screen time, people who are hmm. doing all types of screen time before they go to bed like that. Yeah. I've I've read that that um does the opposite of what we want our minds to be doing before bedtime.
1: Yeah, good point. Yes, that's a really good one. Yeah.
0: yeah. So what would you, is what is your recommendation on that? Is it a certain period of time before you're going to head off to bed that you want to turn your screens off. Like what is, what is the advice on that?
1: Well, I think, I believe it's a couple of hours before to get yourself, uh, you know, off those screen times and um, help you to fall asleep. And so again, I always take it from the client's perspective on where they are, but yeah, for sure an hour before I would say to try to wind down without any sort of screen time to get yourself quiet. And you know some clients like to read before bed to take their mind off of you know everything, and a lot of our
0: clients like to listen to the j b d podcast. I have people saying <laughs> he or she used to always be in my head, and now I always hear you in my head <laughs> but but it's it's a it's it's yeah. a really it's like if you're going to be focusing on your divorce and um and you have podcasts that you enjoy rather than looking at screen time, it's another way to Mm -hmm. occupy your mind with something hopefully positive um, uh, without the impact of the screen time. So, and the other one that Mm -hmm. I often recommend is um, lavender essential oil dropped on your pillow. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. When I was going through menopause, I was up all night and it was some, it was one of the few things that, if as soon as I woke up, I put a couple of drops on my pillow and just like snorted that part of my pillow, I could like (laughs) calm down Mm -hmm. and find myself falling back to sleep. And there's melatonin, which is a natural um, Mm -hmm. substance that helps calm you and help you sleep. So I know that. And, And while You know, we think I'll have a glass of wine at the end of the night. My understanding is alcohol does the opposite of helping you fall asleep. Mm -hmm. So if if you are Mm -hmm. tending to numb and you're struggling with sleep, you might want to test and see how um, having a cup of tea at night um, rather than Mm -hmm. a glass of wine might actually
1: help with your sleeping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And I'm also thinking caffeine is coming up for me as you're talking about the alcohol and reducing that before bed as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then I want to get into let's let's talk about movement, because the last thing I want to say on sleeping is when I work out, when I walk, when I'm physically active, when I bike ride, like when my body um, can can emit a bunch of that physical energy, I'll always sleep better. Um, And Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you have to be a workout person, even if you're feeling Mm -hmm. like I'm I'm not in great shape and I don't have a lot of time, Mm Having dogs has been great. It was one of my puppy's job when mm-hmm. I got her was to get her, get, get me away from my desk and moving. And so just mm-hmm. walking the neighborhood and smelling the flowers mm-hmm. or the beach. And mm-hmm. um, so, so I would really encourage, even as a fundamental, as we transition right now into movement, is to consider what are the basic movements that you could begin to engage
1: with that will not only help you feel better, but can help you sleep better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like one of the most common is obviously walking. That's something simple. We can all do it. And it doesn't take a lot of, you know, exertion or whatever. I would like to note that I've had some clients that are early on in the process and they are so overwhelmed that the idea or the thought of trying to come up with some workout regimen seems very daunting to them. And the last thing that they could possibly commit to, and that's completely understandable, right. In where they are. So it's a matter of just meeting them where they are again. And if we can just get you up from your desk, like you said, you know, walking that dog around the block, getting outside, um, just moving your body in one way, shape or form, or just even stretching, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, to keep moving that energy, especially, you know, when we are under so much stress and there's a lot of other emotions that come up besides just the stress, right? Um, And especially if there's anger or frustration or those sorts of things, we have all that energy flowing through our body that's just sitting there. We gotta move, we gotta move it. And so whatever that looks like to get that moving so that we can work it through, right? And so I love that you're talking about the movement to get people moving that energy because we are going to feel better. And once we do that, we can come back and then we can reset and, uh, begin again. So, yeah.
0: And, and, you know, a couple of things on movement that come up for me, uh, one is, um, YouTube is an amazing tool. You can find a five minute yoga workout. You can find a 10 minute (laughs) yoga workout. So, or Pilates or, you know, if calisthenics is your thing, but, I think the most amazing thing, I just recently this year started doing a 20-minute morning workout, 20 minutes, four times mm-hmm. a week. Every and it's like, year. yeah, and 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 that little amount was blew my mind, the, the mm-hmm. long-term impact it had when I was consistent with it. But for those of you who are literally just trying to re-engage with your body, develop a new relationship with your body, and you don't know what to do whatever your inclination is. So I tend to go to yoga first because it's just stretching and paying attention to my muscles and what have you. You can find so many um, little classes on on YouTube that just walk you through five minutes, 10 minutes, start with baby Uh steps, don't do a half hour, that might be way too much. But whatever you do, what I have found is when I stop, and I do virtually anything, I become aware of my body, I become aware of muscle pains that I wasn't paying attention to, I become aware of a strength that I might feel or an energy Uh I might feel. And so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a mindful practice as well as a movement practice when you, when you engage in your body. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. And then let's talk about eating. Um, You know, I know that when I was raising my kids, when I was first a single parent and my kids were like barely in grade school, I would eat what I Made them, and so I, I was a chunky monkey because, I like, my daughter was a, a carb nut. So it's like, oh yeah, we'll have some mac and cheese, and we'll have some pizza, and I'll make some pasta. And I was poor, and so pasta and these pizza were like really and 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 Taco Bell, Beautiful. and it was like these were the things that we could afford. Um, mm-hmm. And yet, when you take a step back and look at well, what am I putting in my body? I think it was also part of why. I was so drained all the time um, Mm, was because because I wasn't putting things in my body that were enlivening me. Um, Mm -hmm. And and actually so my system had to work so hard to process it. Um, So let's can you just talk a little bit about. You know, not how do you have a stellar, healthy, organic diet, but how do you go from maybe fairly unconscious and let's talk about people who are also financially struggling, because I was told buy organic and I was like, Are you kidding me? I'm yeah. I can't afford to buy organic. I'm glad I'm putting food on the table right now. Never mind organic. So let's kind of take right. people through the various options and and ways of thinking and baby steps when it comes to eating.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, you brought up a good point with the mac and cheese and things like that, the frozen pizzas. I mean, I think that's so common and very real, so very realistic. But I think that's where it starts. You know, how many things are we putting in our body that are processed foods? And if you can just start just a whole food, you know, whatever that looks like, maybe it's an orange, maybe it's, you know, or just cutting down on those processed foods. Maybe you have a sandwich, um instead of that. You know, I had a I'm just thinking of a recent client that she started baby steps with just changing her diet because she was nowhere near being ready to, you know, take big steps on her workouts. And so she just started um she set a goal for herself that she was going to eat so many fruits and vegetables a day. And so I think that's a good place to start, you know, if you can make one change, one baby step, then it's not so overwhelming. Because I think it can be so overwhelming when you think about changing your diet all around, right? I mean, there's so many different things out there and I can tell you, I've tried them all through the years, you know, and so, <laughs> um, and they can be a lot, you know, you have to be very dedicated and committed and all the things. And if you're going through a very stressful time, now some people, I can tell you, I have some that are very, you um, Regimented, right? And so they do better with structure. So some people like that, like that sort of thing. So I don't want to say like it's not for everybody because there are those people that need that, that need that, that, and that's their focus and they can do really well with that. And that's something in their life they can control. So, um, that's actually a good thing for some of those people that need that to feel a sense of control and need the structure and the predictability. And so that can be a really good thing. Um, but for those that that aren't like that, that it's just, it's just so taxing to think about, gosh, what do I eat? And I have to come up with a program or a plan or whatever. It's just making good choices. And you just... You take it a step at a time, one choice at a time. It doesn't even have to be like, because if you take even say one full day and you you feel like you failed, you made a bad choice, then it's easy to just throw in the towel and say I'm done, right? But if you take it step by step and you just like, okay, the next choice I make is going to be a good one, then you can just keep taking each step like that that will get you there, right? Instead of, okay, I'm going to do everything for, you know, a month and oh gosh, on day one, I've already failed. I'm done. I'm throwing in the towel. So it's really just, I think, step-by-step, choice-by-choice instead of big picture. I find that that helps.
0: Yeah. So I'm thinking of two interviews I did way back when we were doing our life after divorce series. And, um, you'll find them in the show notes. One was uh, one was a feller who talked about eating. And, you know, an interesting thing when we talk about, well, how do you eat healthy, especially if you're a single parent, um, or if you're all into one roof, but, you know, who's using the kitchen when, you know, time-wise, even preparing food, it's like, that's another reason you go to fast gotcha. food and pizzas mm-hmm. because there's just there's no time. There's no money. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want I don't want to be sitting at the kitchen table, whatever it is. And so I think that this fellow talks about what I really liked about his way. He talks a lot about healthy eating. He talks about baby steps um, and he talks about um taking a weekend day or afternoon and making it your food prep so that making dinner during the week is much easier. So you'll find that um, that uh, link in our show notes. And then the other one uh, was is a woman who, what sh- she encourages people to do is don't worry about not eating the potato chips or the french fries or anything she says the very first thing you want to do is just bring your awareness to what you're eating. Just start tracking Mm -hmm. what you're eating. And, and that way, you know, so it's like, you know what you're eating. And then she says, and the second thing is don't, don't, don't stop doing anything, just add something good. So have an apple in the morning before you're going to have your, you know, bacon, eggs and home fries. And then maybe the home fries end up getting pushed aside because the apple Mm -hmm. is really. And so these are two you'll find both of these links in the show notes. They're both about um, eating hers also is about movement. But I love that concept of every one of you listening are different. You're in different places. You have different experience with your body and with eating. And so um, The universal rule is baby steps, baby steps and no judgment. Stop judging Uh yourself. Stop putting yourself down and just figure out what you can do. Don't worry about what you can't do. And when it comes to eating. Um, Add the good before worrying about removing the bad. And you're going to start finding that certain things just feel better in your body Mm -hmm. uh, than others. I had a a very large bowl of pasta. I was raised on pasta. My mom was a single mom Italian. We ate pasta five days a week. Had a bowl of pasta the other day. And I was like, wow, that tasted so good going in and not so good sitting in my belly. And that's the awareness that we want each of you uh, listeners to develop. Absolutely. So we've talked about sleeping, eating, movement. Um, Any last uh, tips or suggestions before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, so I feel like um, it's really just figuring out what works for you it's really where you need to start. Um, for me, I knew that to show up as my best self, it was two things for me. It was um, the gym. I always say it's the gym and Jesus. So my faith, as well as um, moving my body were the two things that really, if either one of those were off kilter, I was not showing up as my best self. So whatever life threw at me, I was not going to handle it at my best. And so I think it's for every person to figure out what that looks like for them, you know, and and then really being intentional about that, whatever that is, and then just always coming back to center with that. So because we do life gets busy, we're stressed, things don't go well. And we get off kilter. Right. And so maybe I made it to the gym, but I didn't I didn't have my time with Jesus. And so then I need to be intentional and bring myself back to that, you know, because then I'll I'll notice it. Right. We'll notice it and how we show up. And so once you realize you're off kilter, then just being intentional about getting back to that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I love that. So um, what I learned about myself is I am not a gym person. And for all of you Mm -hmm. out there who've done what I've done, which is you've joined a gym because it's so inexpensive. And after the first four to six weeks, you never step foot in again. (laughs) I I, like I am. I am in my sixth decade and somewhere late in my fifth decade. I remember saying to myself, why don't you just deal with the fact that you don't do gyms? Stop. Stop Mm -hmm. joining gyms but I love Mm -hmm. kayaking, biking, hiking, swimming. So I have things that I do. And I I say this only that... I love the gym and Jesus thing. And it's like, yeah, the gym won't work for me. And so really don't don't go based on what anyone is shooting all over you, what what your best friend does, what your sister says you should do, just what works for you. You've been around long enough Mm -hmm. that, you know. And then the other thing that I would like to share is uh, about a year and a half ago, I moved down to Florida to help care for my mom. And I realized that I wanted to ride, I wanted to ride. I just wasn't riding my bike. And there was a bike path like five minutes from my house. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. It's Florida, the weather is gorgeous. It was the middle of the winter. I couldn't be doing this in New York. And then I asked a girlfriend to breakfast and I asked her if she would be my accountability partner. Mm -hmm. And and so my point to you is, Um, If there's something you want to do, if you're working with one of the JVD coaches, if you're seeing a therapist, like consider asking them to be your accountability partner, or if you have a friend Uh or loved one, my very dear friend down there uh, is Janine. And we went to breakfast and she decided, I not only will be your accountability partner, I would love to start bike riding too. And for the next six months, five days a week, almost barring none, every morning at 6 a.m., we would get on our bikes, we would have our girlfriend time, we would do the bike path. We agreed that if it was under, I think, 50 degrees, we were allowed to stay in bed. which in Florida is very cold, by the way. Um, But but all of this to say, if if you're encouraged and inspired by this and whether you're using the accountability partner just for your movement or for everything, when you have someone who you and they agree to speak on a regular basis for your good and for your baby steps Mm -hmm. moving forward... Um, it helps. It's one of the things in coaching, like we're always holding our clients accountable so that they're tracking true and getting where they want to be. And so I strongly encourage you to um, listen mm-hmm. to the other podcasts in the in the um, show notes. I also have dropped in an article that um, our dear coach, Lisa Brick wrote on I think it's seven steps of wellness, which will track to what Tammy and I will continue to talk about here on the podcast. So check out that article, check out those um, podcasts and always uh, write in uh, to share uh, your experience if you so choose. Tammy, this has been great. What a great conversation around physical wellness. Thank you so much for bringing it to the table. And I think um, we've agreed to talk about which wellness next?
1: I think we're going to talk about emotional wellness next. Beautiful. So stay tuned.
0: We will be back um, again with this particular series, exploring wellness as a vital aspect of the of divorce recovery. And we'll be talking about emotional wellness. So until then, best of luck with your baby steps, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Our free Rapid Relief Call helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. Visit RapidReliefCall.com to book your call today. group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.